The Midweek Horror Podcast is supported by Horrified, the website that celebrates and champions British horror, covering films, television, books, fiction, and more. You can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at horrifiedmag. This is the Midweek Horror Podcast with Hannah Fox and Alice Reed. Welcome to the Midweek Horror Podcast. I'm Hannah Fox. And I'm Alice Reed. And I'm full of mash. We have had a oh. very unusual meal tonight, haven't we? Yeah. It was not what we expected. Yeah, well, it wasn't what we ordered. <laughs> no. Never mind expected. So, Deliveroo, God bless their souls, the, the driver must have had two orders from Nando's in similar size bags and they just mm. gave us the wrong one. So after some negotiation with the very helpful um, customer support ser- service person at Deliveroo, we got a refund and I said, well, what should we do with the wrong food? And they said, you can keep it or dispose of it. She actually said, or dispose of it respectfully. Respectfully. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ba- based on a name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, at the end of the day, sir, it's still food. It's still food, please. Have some respect for it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think English was the first language. From her name, I think she might have been French. Oh, so okay. she encouraged me to dispose of it respectfully. Well, we had to eat it because we had nothing else for tea. That was our tea, yeah. What a random order it was there. So it it was insane. It was never would I have, never have I ever ordered so many carbs in one yeah. meal. They had the mash. They had the monster mash. <laughs> <laughs> Two, two two mashes, yeah. one spicy rice, garlic bread, and also they were vegetarians, which was good because Hannah is a vegetarian. Yeah, so that was, that was pescat- lucky. Pescat- pescatarian. Pescatarian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we had the pretend chicken, and you had the wrap because that was the spicier of the two. Yeah. And I had <laughs> a massive ring of pineapple and four slices of pretend chicken in a bun. It's actually quite nice. Yeah. I mean, the wraps are very nice. I just felt kind of weird as I was piling mash and rice onto a slice of garlic bread. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was like, what? Yeah, yeah. It was carb-tastic. Carb, so, yeah. So as as with our last episode, I have to warn the listeners at home, this might be a slightly low-energy podcast. Yeah, we might just conk out at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I, yeah. Could, I could just rest my eyes now, actually, as I'm speaking. Yeah, it's sitting heavy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that was our uh, interesting evening. But, you know, we got to try Nando's mash, which I've never ordered before. Oh, it's Certainly nice, not with it? the rest of the, yeah, yeah. the carby menu, but hey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there was that. But um, what so, else have you been up to? <laughs> what else have you been up to? Um, I got to see a horror film called Followers, which is an independent British film. I got a review screen of it so I could review it for Horrified website, uh, horrifiedmagazine.com. Oh, do you know, they've heard the bit at the beginning. <laughs> they know the URL. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that, actually. It was done in a sort of mockumentary style. And it's about um, a young, disgraced social media star who's going to university. And he decides to vlog about his experiences as a fresher in the hope of establishing himself as an influencer. And the house he shares with three other people uh, turns out to be haunted. 
So he quickly pivots to making ghost themed content because uh, it gets a lot of a lot of likes. It's very satirical. The characters are quite you know this quite broad. It's not not like out and out sitcom, but it's uh, yeah it's definitely satirical. You know satirizing influences and the whole fifteen minutes of fame culture. Uh, it's really well put together in terms of the production. Like uh, so after he posts a, a vlog, it will like do this little montage of reaction videos to his vlog that his regular viewers have filmed. It hangs together really nicely. That's yeah, cool, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I like really that. enjoyed it. It's called Followers. Followers. And very sadly, so the director, Marcus Harbin, after after they finished it, he passed away. Oh, that is sad. So it's both his directorial debut and also his well, it's his first and his last film, mm. basically. And it's a, a real shame to see that. Well, obviously, it's a real shame. Um, but yeah, like if he was still around, I heard he had a new film coming out. I'd definitely be adding it to my watch list and keeping an eye for it coming out. So yeah, very sad. Oh, well, that's a shame. But I'm glad you enjoyed it, and you know, we still have that to be remembered remembered by. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And it's getting um, a cinema release as well. It might might in fact be out already. Let me have a look. I'll edit this out. Yeah, yeah. Right, I don't know why I thought that would work. <laughs> like, just making up... Just I just typed in followersmovie.co.uk and obviously that's not how the internet works. <laughs> I'm actually going to have to go to horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and look at my own article <laughs> to get the detail. Where the hell is my article? Here we go. Um, yeah, it's actually getting a, a cinematic release in View and Showcase Cinemas. It should already be out because they were going to release it on 18th March. So, yeah, if it sounds like your sort of thing, check it out. I've got a showcase, actually, a nice little one around the back of me. I might go see if it's playing. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Lovely, yeah, yeah, do. Sounds good. Do. So, I haven't watched anything fresh this week, but I did uh, finish Fear Streak. Do you remember I had that one oh, part? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I loved it. It was great fun. Yeah, really, really, really good. I would recommend it. Had um, a nice little sort of twist, I would say, at the end as well. So, so. if you had to rank the three parts, what oh. order would you put them in? Oh, it's tricky because, well, I really liked one and three. I liked two as well, but two was the one I liked the la- the least. The less, God, that's big. Yeah. The least. Um, it was a little bit the two towers, was it? Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. It was <laughs> that. It's like, yeah, it, it, was fu- it was good and it made sense with the rest of the story. Like it tied, you know, all the bits tied together. But it just wasn't as good as the other two bits. So um, probably I would go one, three, two. But one, one and three, three were very close. Yeah, and actually, good. I think some people would prefer three. But um, I just really like number one. So I would recommend it. It might be some people might think it was a bit kind of of a bit of a teen movie, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Um, and that was it. Yeah, that was it for this week. But um, yeah, it was good. I've got a, a little bit of horror news. Mm. So do you remember a, a couple of podcasts ago, we listened to and reviewed an excellent audio drama based on Charles Dickens's The Signalman? Yep. And I was telling you about how Baffle Gab Productions have done loads of cool stuff, and one of their long-running series is called The Scarifiers. Mm-hmm. So they have just released an audiobook. Ooh. It's not a full cast adaptation this time, but it's read by one of the main characters from the Scarifiers, and it's about the Scarifiers, oh. and it's called An American Werewolf in Ludlow. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So 
I've snapped that up. I'm going to see if I can find it. Well, here's a nice little detail. 100% of the proceeds are going to the Disasters Emergency Committee Ukraine Humanitarian Appeal. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, it costs a fiver, but you can pay more if you want. Uh, and i tell you what else I saw, which I bought. So when I was going to buy it, I also saw that on Bandcamp they have a, an option where you get 50% off if you buy all their releases on Bandcamp as MP3s. Oh, that's cool. So it's about 68 quid, but you must be getting about 50 hours of content or something ridiculous like yeah. that. So, so all the scarifiers, it. yeah, yeah. Um, the adaptation of the Hellbound Heart, the adaptation of the Signalman, also um, their adaptation of the Blood on Satan's Claw. Yeah. So, yeah, loads of great stuff. So I picked that up as well. And some of them I actually already had. But for 50% off, it was still a bargain. So, yeah, it's worth worth doing. Have a look for Baffle Gab. Find yeah. their band camp and just oh, buy all I of them. I found it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that sounds really good. I'll have a proper look later. But, um, yeah, I think I've got it on band camp. Yeah, magical. Great. And what a good cause as well. Yeah, superb. And to the people at home, if, you've not, if you're not familiar with Baffle Gab Productions... Get right into them. They're superb. And actually, um, even when you mentioned the Scarifiers before, I thought that sounded really good fun. So I've been uh, yeah, yep. keen to get on that. Last time we talked about it, I couldn't remember exactly when it was set. No. It's set in the 30s. And it's uh, two elderly gentlemen who work for MI13. Nice. Investigating paranormal cases. And each one tends to be a pastiche of something different. So, you know, there might be one that's about... Uh, Rasputin and another one that's about the Loch Ness Monster. There was one called The Gnomes of Death, which seems to be about gnomes. And death, as in, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> as, I, I don't think I've listened to that one yet. Sounds good, though. I like it when they do like a bit of a different yeah, exactly. Different theme almost every week. You, you know, they're covering a real a, a real range of sub-genres of horror. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. One of my favourite series. Um, beautiful. So tonight, we're going to be watching... Quite an obscure British indie horror film called The Fallow Field. And I can't remember. I know last time we did a podcast, we read the blurb on the back. I think it's something about a man who has amnesia. Yeah, he get, he has amnesia. And then when he comes back, if I remember rightly, it's like his uh, everything in his life sort of going a bit wrong. Like his wife... Thinks he was off having an affair. Thinks he was having an affair. Yeah. And uh, like, um, I think just everything starts to go wrong and he doesn't kind of know what, what's happened or why. Um, so quite yeah. confusing. The cover of the mm. DVD. Now, sometimes indie releases have a cover that doesn't accurately reflect the film, mm. but it shows like a zombie's hand being thrust up from the earth. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's got the undead in it. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. We love a bit of undead. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So how about we have a quick look at the trailer? Yeah. And then report back. Tell the guys at home what we thought about it. Yes. Do you know why that threw me? Because I did a thumbs up. And then I thought, <laughs> you know what? The listeners can't see me with my thumb up. <laughs> no, they can't. They can't. For the benefit of the tape, Hannah did a thumbs up. It was right. a strong thumbs up. Yeah, very much so. Right. To, to the, the trailer. Jingle. jingle. <laughs> right, well, my post-trailer. What did you yeah. think? I thought it looked really good. It did. It looked a bit low budget, mm. but it looked like stylish low budget. You yeah. know, like um, care had gone into the photography. Yeah. And so on, like that opening shot, a beautiful sort of misty, bleak field mm. with the crows going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
very well shot and lots of nice kind of um scenes of fields and woods and country yeah. as he's kind of stumbling stumbling back from wherever he's been yeah which um, seems to be a farm yeah where there's a sort of scary barn filled with murderous looking implements mm. and like blood on a table yeah the impression i got from that was there's a farmer who's like a serial killer and maybe he had some traumatic ordeal while he was there Mm, good thinking, yeah. And that's why he, you know, he's entered why a fugue state. That's yeah. why I can't remember. Um, there's a great scene where you see a dark figure sort of in a hallway, and then he sort of supernaturally quickly lunges towards the camera. Mm. So maybe there is some supernatural shenanigans going on. Near the end, there was quite a kind of fast montage of different things happening, wasn't there? So, um, yeah, lots of uh, shots in the barn. A girl having a cloth put over her face. Yeah. Being grabbed. Um, what was there? There's a lot of the barn. But yeah, that's sort of lots of yeah, yeah. shots. You're not quite sure what's going on. So something that, based on that trailer, I'm now thinking again about the DVD cover. Because mm. that hand coming out of the ground might just be a body buried in a shallow grave. True. It. I mean, you'd think if you were burying someone, you'd know it's if you'd left a hand sticking out. <laughs> yeah. But the point I'm making is it might not be a zombie. It might just be a dead body that's yeah, been disposed true. of. Like you say, it would be a bit sloppy, but you know. Yeah, yeah. killers are. yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it looked good. It looked eerie and I'm intrigued. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I'll make a prediction. Mm-hmm. I think this is just going to be a solid four stars. I th- and I'm not just saying this to copy you. I thought exactly the same. And obviously, we're always... You've got to consider it is a lower budget than, say, Malignant that we watched last week. Uh, or last time, rather. Um, but I think it looked like thought had gone into it. They yeah. really thought about the locations and how they're shooting the shots. It looks scary. Look there's eerie. some artistry Art, on this yeah, display. Arty, yeah, creative. So I think you're right. I would. I think it's going to be a, a solid four. I'm always happy to watch low budget films, especially stylish ones. For me, it's no different to the sort of accommodations you make in your own mind when you go into the theatre. Yeah. You know, there's differing levels of suspension of disbelief. So if a film is sort of stylish and creative and interestingly done, I'm prepared to meet it halfway if maybe some of it like some of the sets or whatever end up being a bit creaky yeah i don't mind that at all i watch a lot of low budget films and do you remember one of our favorite films that we watched together mm. i think it was made for about 200 quid the demonic tapes oh yeah 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 which yeah, yeah very good is on amazon prime and uh, a lot of people have given that bad reviews but we loved it oh, i thought it was brilliant yeah yeah freaky yeah definitely all right so that's what the trailer's like how about we fire up the old projector, open the wine gums, yeah. watch a bit of a film. Let's do it. Yeah, to the jingle. That was bom, short. Bom, 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 bom. <laughs> We're back. I have got a request to make. Oh. Can we, for one mm. night only, bring back the spoiler-free section? Okay, sure. My logic being, you don't look convinced. I'm intrigued. My I'm log- interested as to why. My logic being mm. that because so few of our us- usual listeners would have seen this film already. That's true, actually. We could yeah. do a little spoiler-free review, then have a jingle. Okay. And then get into spoilers. Yeah, works for me. Okay, super. What did you think of The Fallow Field? I thought it was really well done. I thought they had a really interesting little story. There had been a lot of love and care taken over it. It was very well shot. Um, there were some really good characters and great acting. 
um, really nice scenery, a real sense of sort of um, fear and foreboding. Something I found quite impressive, something that I think must be quite hard mm. when you're making a low-budget film, must be to get away from the feeling that you're just chatting about with a camera, yeah. filming your mates doing stuff. And I thought they did that very well. And that was partly the photography, it was partly the score, had a very 80s score at parts. But it was also just, I think, at times it was quite imaginatively put together. So there's a farm that a lot of the action revolves around. Mm. And when he's about to stumble upon the farm, he's sort of, he's walking through this almost like tunnel of trees. Yeah. And the camera keeps cutting between his point of view and um, his face. And in some of the scenes, there's like glare behind his head and stuff. And it just felt a bit otherworldly. You know, they'd really sort of made it feel like, um, almost like he was going down the rabbit hole a bit. Yeah. Into some unfolding mystery. Yeah. Whereas in other hands, that could have felt just like, all right, you walk, you walk through these trees. I'll follow you with this camera. Yeah, a bit nothing. He wouldn't have the same effect. Yeah. 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 So I think for a small production, they did really well at sort of investing it with that slight otherworldly glamour of cinema. Mm. I think that I think that worked really well. And actually, to me, in a weird way, it didn't feel that low budget. It just felt old. I thought that too. Yeah. Like, sometimes some of the scenes made me think about, like, shows from, like, the 70s. Yeah, yeah. That sort and of like, thing. If you watch yeah. the original Hellraiser now, mm-hmm. a lot of the sort of quality of the picture... And the sound wouldn't be that different to what we just watched. Yeah, no, you're probably right, actually. So, yeah, I thought it was a really good production. Yeah, I thought really well put together. A nice little story as well. A bit different. It was yeah. definitely different. It was the sort of story that keeps you guessing a bit. Yeah. You know, the unfolding mystery around his amnesia mm. and while he, why he feels drawn to this farm. I thought that was, that was the main thing that kept my interest as a viewer. Yeah. was thinking, what the hell is going on here? And more than once being surprised mm. or a bit wrong-footed when I thought I had the measure of it. And also a couple of scares, a couple of good scares. I think the one we saw in the trailer, where the dark figure moves very oh, rapidly yes. towards yeah, the that camera. Was good. Yeah, that I think was when good. you see it in its proper context, mm. that is really quite a scary moment. That was really good, yeah. Um, that was really well filmed, actually, because that lunge was really sudden. When the scary figure lunges towards him. Like, yeah, that was yeah. really good. And we knew exactly that was coming because we'd seen yeah, the trailer, yeah. but it still shit me up. Definitely. For me, it was more the um, sense of what might happen. So actually, you didn't see anything that was particularly horrific. No. But there was always the threat yeah, of yeah. that. And for me, that was more what kept me on the edge of my seat, really. The building tension. Mm. I I felt, yes, I agree, but I think there were times when they almost did that to a fault where maybe I felt like some passages were a bit too ponderous and slow. Yeah, I agree. But but it was still a strength of the film. It was just it worked better in some scenes than others. I thought the acting was, yeah, pretty damn good. Yeah, I thought it was very Um, good. For an independent production, yeah, yeah. yeah. There is a character who appears late who I thought, nothing wrong with his performance. There was a bit of a funny scene where he just starts blurting out his life story. Mm. where the main character is trying to one-pick a lock. Oh, yeah. And that that story, I felt, could have been cut down a bit. Yeah. I I thought that with a few of the scenes, though. If they'd been been cut down slightly, it wouldn't have lost anything. Some of them went on a little bit too long, and I found myself thinking, "Mm, okay, this is going on a bit long. It was definitely quite a slow-paced film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
good use of the darkness throughout, I thought. Yeah, that yeah. That was really good because I think if you are doing a low-budget film, you can't always have, you know, the kind of big, beautiful scenes. But if you're in the darkness, kind of creeping around, you can make things look quite eerie and you can hide things well. It's easier to make people jump because things can jump out of the darkness. Yeah, so yeah. that was used really well. Um, what would you give it stars-wise? So... I think overall I would go with the four. It wasn't the type of film I like as much, but that wasn't their fault, if you know what I mean. For the, yeah, for yeah. the, for, for how well I thought that film was put together and for the storyline and the acting and everything, I would, I would have to say four. Okay, lovely. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I'm happy with a four. Mm. Wow, this spoiler free section is really sapping our energy. I know. <laughs> what I know. a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I might edit this out completely. I might edit this out completely. I think it's okay. I agree with you because I think not many people are going to have watched this. So if you kind of tell tell everyone what's happened, no one's going to want to go and watch it as much. Yeah. So I do agree with you. I think I think my closing summary on the spoiler free free section is it's uh, an attractively made, interesting film. Yeah. Well worth a watch. With a good idea. It. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Yeah. You've not you've not seen anything quite like this. No. I would say. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I think you were right to get rid of the spoiler free section. I think generally, but I do, I do agree with you for this one. I yeah. think it works. Because I've sort of secretly resented you for a long time. <laughs> for, for many making, reasons. Yeah, for, no. <laughs> no, but now we've done one. I'm remembering. Oh, hello. That's my Pepsi Max fizzing up. I'm remembering, oh yeah, this section did used to be a bit shit. No, I think it's good. I think it's it's fine. I think we just stop like here and then we move on. Okay. And that was cool. Yeah. So everyone, we're heading into spoiler territory now. Yeah, that yeah, and I'll put the jingle in. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. Spoiler territory. So the big kind of weird secret thing for anyone who doesn't know and wants to know yeah is that the main character matt who has amnesia he kind of although he can't remember much he sort of remembers where he might have been and he ends up going back to this farm now when he's on this farm he meets this farmer who's very weird and frankly i wouldn't have stayed there a second with that guy no but matt does and what you think is happening initially is that matt and this farmer are having a conversation Gets a bit weird and heated, and Matt gets killed by this farmer. Yeah. But then the next thing you see is Matt waking up, and I thought they'd gone back in flashback. time. Flashback, yeah, yeah, I thought it was yeah. a flashback. I thought it was a complete flashback. But how it turns out is that this farmer is a weird psycho serial killer, but he has discovered this really weird thing where if he buries dead people in his field, they come back to life. The field that nothing, where nothing ever grows, but it is like the fountain of eternal youth, yeah, life, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and so Matt is brought back again and again, but every time he loses his memory. I really like the idea of this field bringing people back. I yeah. thought it was a really cool original or semi-original idea. I've not seen a film like that before. So that bit, mm. that particular detail, you know, you could say, okay, well, Pet Cemetery did it. You could, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You could say Pet Tri- Pet Cemetery did it. The Waitwood did it. I'm the, not saying that, but yeah, Pet Cemetery. Great film. I love The Waitwood. So, what was really original about this film is because the farmer is a nutcase. Mm. 
he's using this to sort of be a serial killer, guilt-free. Yeah. So he's he's abducting people, murdering them, but then he buries them in his magic field and then just sorts of leaves them by the roadside because he knows that when they come round, they'll have amnesia. The last thing they will remember will be before he abducted and killed them. So he's sort of just using it to fulfil his murderous urges. Get his kicks. Yeah, like he's a proper lunatic. Yeah. But the, the one oddity, and apparently this has happened several times before, is Matt, although like all the others, he gets amnesia. After a while, he starts getting sort of vague flashbacks that lead lead him back to the farm. And uh, there's a scene close to the beginning where the farmer sort of like takes the bag off his head and says, do you know me? Do you remember me? And that's like, no. And he says, you will. You always remember me. Mm. And partway through their time together, Matt remembers being killed and buried in the ground and actually being in the ground. So they're sort of stuck in this weird loop, like not a time loop, but just doing the same thing over and over again where he keeps wandering back to the farm to try and work out what happened to him and the farmer keeps killing him again and burying him again and then dumping him by the roadside again and because the farmer's crazy he sort of thinks they're friends like Mm. he he tells Matt you're the closest thing I've got to a friend and so yeah that's a really interesting story I just thought it was a really nice nice little idea and a supernatural element without being too bizarre even though, of course, it is, you know, that doesn't happen. But I I really like that. And it was an interesting idea, like you say, that the guy, the farmer, was a, was a killer. And he's not, a, he's not a good guy. He's not bringing these people back because he's kind and good. He's doing it for thrills. And it was an, it was an interesting thing because you sort of think, well, is it okay, really? Well, not is it okay, but is it as bad? <laughs> well, what I, what I liked about this is it, it is funny how... You know, when you're doing imaginative scenarios, Mm. I think a normal response, if you say to somebody, what about a field, and you bury somebody in it, they come back to life. Most people are going to think, oh, so if somebody you loved died, you could bury them and then have them back. I think it takes a sort of special sort of mind, a special sort of horror writer mind, to think, oh, so you could just murder people and then undo it. Undo it, yeah. (laughs) And that's exactly the direction this film goes in. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So I, I really like that. I really like that idea. I People would disagree with me, and you probably will. The bit I didn't think was as good was Henry, the whole Henry element. Didn't need it. Didn't really care for it. I loved Henry. I knew you would. I absolutely knew you would. I loved Henry. Been done before, the freak, the freak chained up in the barn. It's a bit... I was a bit like, eh, eh, yeah. So- just to explain Henry, for anyone who's decided to listen to this having not seen the film, which I do, I'm always listening to podcasts that spoil films I've not seen. So the farmer, what's his name? Callum. Callum. He explains at one point that how the field works is a bit of a mystery and it's a bit hit and miss. Some parts of the field are inert. They just don't do anything. Some parts of the field work better than others. He's discovered that it's... um Almost like fruit ripening. You have to know when to dig them up again. Mm. And if you leave somebody in the ground too long, they come out bad. And Henry, who we learn towards the end is actually his son, is somebody who died, who he buried in the field, who came back bad. And he's basically like a, a sort of gibbering, violent, zombie nincompoop. 
Yeah. Is that what I'd describe him? Pretty much. The first time we see him, I thought was very, the very effective scare mm. we were talking about. Because what's his face? Matt is just having a casual wander around his captor's farm. And he, he goes into a barn and sees this dark figure and the dark figure lunges towards him, mm. laughing maniacally. But luckily he's got a chain, which means he can't quite get to Matt to eat him. Yeah. But towards the end of the film, when Matt and his new friend, who's one of the other captives, are escaping, the farmer, a bit like a hunting dog, sends him after his quarry. Yeah. No, I thought that was brilliant. Just, it's not that I had a massive problem with it. It's just been done so many times. And I was a bit like, eh, I prefer just the thing about the field and and the weird farmer being a serial killer. I didn't need it. I liked the scare and I didn't hate it. I just didn't need it as an extra element, really. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah. yeah. But some people were like yourself, will really like that. So it's not really a criticism. It just wasn't so much for me. Sorry, I'm making a rustling noise. <laughs> going for a Haribo. <laughs> I should have waited till you'd stopped talking. I don't know if the camera picked that up. What would I be critical of? I think there's a scene in the middle where Matt says to Callum, once he realises what's going on, he says, why are you doing this? And Callum says, what, killing them or bringing them back? And fair play, Matt sort of looks at him and goes, both! (laughs) And this is where it becomes clear that he just enjoys killing people. And I I thought that scene was written a little, like the dialogue was a bit obvious. Like I could almost feel the script writer going, all right, I'm going to have to explain this. Right, yeah. I'll have them have a conversation about it. The conversation was quite on the nose. I thought maybe that could have been done in a more interesting or organic way, but not not to the extent where it bothered me unduly. No. Just if in an unlikely scenario where I was given this script and asked to comment on it, that would that be would one of my notes back. for improvement, yeah. No, yeah. no, that didn't bother me. Um, but I think that's that's fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think these Harry my... bows are incredible. Oh, they? they're so good, aren't they? Fantastic, <laughs> amazing. I, I think the the main and it's not even a criticism because I actually thought it was a really good film, like especially for an amateur film. I think the main thing for me was what we've mentioned. Some of the scenes are slightly too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was ponderously paced. It could have been a bit yeah. shorter. Do we know how long it is? I'm uh, sure, actually. Well, I can't see it on uh, the DVD I don't case, know. but I think they could definitely. Yeah, I have think made it could have been. It could have been shorter. a bit shorter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, lovely stuff. How did you interpret the end? So, to explain the ending, basically, Matt kills Callum. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the key fact. But before he does, Callum's like saying, oh, what are you going to do, though? Are you going to put mm. me in the ground? Maybe you will, just out of curiosity. Maybe you'll get a taste for it. And then there's an incredibly long shot of Matt sort of looking dramatically past the camera. That went on a bit too long. Yeah, that went on a bit too like, long. Like, thoughtfully. And then it cuts to him taking the bag off a living Callum's head. For some reason, he takes a photo of him. He's got a balaclava on. He looks like he's gone a bit crazy himself. And then he holds up a scalpel and says, hello again. So I interpreted that to mean he's just repeatedly killing Callum and bringing him (laughs) back because he's gone psycho as well now. See, yeah, that was what I was thinking because I think you could interpret it like that or you could interpret it as he was just giving him a scare because he took a photograph of him. And I wondered whether that was... It was almost like to shake him up. Maybe to leave it with to him leave. as a memento, like a photograph of yeah, himself. Yeah, Looking know. terrified. So it was interesting. I think you could interpret that in a few ways, really. But, yeah, I liked the ending. I thought it was a good ending. Yeah, I lovely. Yeah. I just think other things I thought about it. 
the score was really good. Yeah, really good. And the score as well really helped with that feeling that we were watching an old film rather than a, an indie film. Mm. You know, a low budget film. Because it really was quite an 80s soundtrack in parts. It was. In other parts, it had these weird sort of quite folk horror sounding strings. Yeah. It was almost it like a tale of two soundtracks. Mm. But it worked. Yeah, it definitely worked. Yeah, yeah. I also, and not everyone will agree with me on this either, because this is just something that I frankly don't enjoy. I was really pleased that it wasn't like some of the films are that, I don't know, things like Wolf Creek saw, that sort of stuff, and worse, what, Hostel, things like that. It wasn't just torture porn, because when they had some of the victims on the table, I was like, oh, I don't need to see this. Yeah, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And he starts messing around with a knife when they're, like, squealing and stuff. But it was enough to make you feel, oh, God, oh, God, what's going to happen? This is horrible. Without showing anything. Yeah, yeah. Which is the best. I think that's like much more, for me, that's always been my preference. I think that's a cleverer way of doing it. I think once you kind of show too much, it's almost like, oh, uh, I feel like it loses something for me. And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to watch it. It's gross. Yeah. But I yeah, prefer fair. that because that scares me more almost, like the unknown. Yeah. The only real explicit act of violence was right at the end when Matt shoots Callum. Yeah. And they had a very successful special effect for him shooting him in the stomach with a shotgun. And arguably when he sli- uh, slices, um, Callum slits Matt's throat. But uh, again, it was more almost slasher horror. It was very quick. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't... You're right, it wasn't like hostile. No. When some of the setups might have made you worry, it could have been like hostile. And again, I don't think that's because I'm particularly squeamish. I just... It doesn't do anything for me sitting there watching it. And after a while, I just think it loses something. I'm all for that kind of glamour, horror, you know, scream where, you know, just blood shooting everywhere. But that kind of torturous someone screaming while someone's, like, cutting bits of their body. I can't, yeah, it's not for me. No, Sorry, horror fans, if you like that, but nah, it's not not my bag. (laughs) (laughs) So I appreciated the way they did that, and I thought that was good. There was one surprisingly explicit sex scene right at the start. Oh, boobs ahoy. Hello. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair play to the lady. She had, um, you know, a, a good set and she wasn't afraid to show them. But yeah. So at the start of the film, we find out that Matt has been having these regular blackouts where he mm. just vanishes for days, comes back to his home where his wife lives and he can't explain where he's been because he can't remember. And she right at the beginning of the film, dumps him because she's convinced he's having an affair and apparently can't even be bothered to think of a a cover story. So he just goes off. She thinks he's going off. He's shagging his other woman. Then he comes back and is like, I can't remember where I've been. And I thought after that, to be fair to her, Callum said he'd been back a dozen times in a year. So he'd been doing that every month. Yeah, yeah. that's. So you'd be, if you were the wife, by by a year... Of him going off for a week every month, you'd be like, Yeah, you'd have had done. Done. And then it cuts to him shagging somebody else. Yeah. And the irony is, he is having an affair, but that's not where he's been going. But it actually took me, like, at first when that scene came on, I thought, oh, he's made up with his wife. Mm. And it took me a while to realise it was another woman, because there was so much boobage going on. So much boobage. I was like, oh, that's a different face. (laughs) (laughs) That's not his wife. (laughs) You yeah. know, eventually, eventually I realised. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably unnecessary, but also fine. You know, she wanted to do it. Great. Yeah. 
I mean, you certainly got the fact that they were having sex. That was... Yes, it was not an ambiguous scene. Couldn't misinterpret that, yeah. By any stretch of the imagination. Um, But no, all in all, very well-made film for a low-budget film. And it really held up, I think. It was a good plot as well, so... Yeah, fair play to them. They did really well there. To be honest, this this is why I follow indie film. Yeah. Because it's sort of... It's really rewarding to discover these small productions that obviously a lot of love and care and thought and imagination has gone into and like occasionally you watch an indie film that almost just doesn't function as a film because mm. you can't get into it enough you can't suspend disbelief enough yeah whereas this film really you know did what a film meant is meant to do which is engross us for an hour and a half or whatever it is and i actually think it was better than i thought it would be in terms of how professional it was yeah, defo. So, yeah, they should be very proud of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so well-deserved four stars for the fallow field. Right, what I, su- what I suggest we do now, so I don't... I think, well, we established that this doesn't have enough re- reviews on Rotten Tomatoes to have no, a rating. but just the, two tomatoes. There are two yeah. ratings on that, and there are also some user reviews. So although we can't make our play our usual game of try to guess the tomato no, score... unfortunately, we can have a look. I think we should check them out, but before we do... How about a quiz? Sounds good to me. Okay. We'll have a jingle. We'll have a quiz. We'll probably have another jingle, knowing how I edit the show. Yeah, sure. And then like we'll a check jingle. it. Yeah, then we'll... Yeah, I've got two jingles. <laughs> <laughs> I love both of them dearly. <laughs> um, and then we'll see what's going on on Rotten Tomatoes. Great. Quiz me up. Okay. Same format as last time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a mix of multiple choice. Winning uh, format. Yeah, films with pun titles and quick fire rounds. But the theme is animals. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so are you ready to hear your first plot summary? I'm ready. Did I say we were doing a quiz? I don't know, but we are. Okay. <laughs> yes. Sorry, guys, if we didn't say, it's quiz time. Yeah. Neville Frankenstein asks his doting mom to provide him with some corpses so he can make himself a bride. When she refuses, he makes do with the contents of his fridge. Chaos ensues when he accidentally brings a blank back to life. And I'll give you a clue. It's an animal that's rarely associated with horror. Okay. So that's the plot summary. Yeah. Is it called Frankenstein's Lobster... Prawn of the Dead. <laughs> Children of the Prawn. Oh, good one. Shrimp My Bride. <laughs> or is it not a real film and I just made it up? God, this is a toughie. This is a toughie. Right, I'm going to go with my instinct. Yeah. Frankenstein's Lobster. Hannah made it up. Oh, it's not a real film. I thought you had and then I thought, no, this is the sort of thing that could be a film. Oh, very well. Nicely done. <laughs> Nicely done. Okay, no points for you in that round. Whack, whack, whack. <laughs> right, here's your next plot summary. A killer blank from outer space crash lands on Earth and brings death and destruction to everyone in its path. And again, the blank is an animal that's rarely associated with horror. Is it called Gazelle to Pay? <laughs> Larmageddon, mm. Paranormal Yactivity, <laughs> The 
the taking of Zebra Logan? <laughs> <laughs> or is it not a real film and I made it up? Try me again what happens. A killer blank from outer space. So either a gazelle, a llama, a mm. yak or a zebra from outer space crash lands on Earth and brings death and destruction to everyone in its path. I'm going to say you made it up because I don't know why they, any of those would be in space. Hannah didn't make it oh! up. It's Llamageddon. Oh, that's what I would have gone with. Oh, oh. oh sorry, Hannah. No points. Oh, no points at all. Oh, I can't think when I'm this carbs. <laughs> <laughs> mash on the brain. Okay. Are you ready for the qu- uh, quick fire round? I'm ready. So it's common for low-budget productions to have titles that sound similar to more famous films. I'm going to read out some movie titles that sound suspiciously like Paranormal Activity, and you have to say real or not real. Okay. And I've made a spreadsheet, because last time we did a quick fire round, I didn't have a clue how many you'd got right or wrong. So let's see if this spreadsheet helps. Are you ready, Han? I'm ready. Okay. Paranormal Shark. False. Shark Activity. True. Abnormal Activity. False. Paranoid Activity. False. Nocturnal activity. True. Supernatural activity. Two. True. <laughs> Poltergeist activity. True. Paranormal captivity. False. Paranormal festivity. False. Paranormal sex tape. True. Paranormal nativity. True. Paranormal adoption. False. Paranormal calamity. True. Paralympic activity. <laughs> True. Paranormal great Antilly. False. Right. I wish that one was true, though. Let's have a look. How many did you get right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's more than half. Yes! So you've got 10p in the prize fund. Excellent. Oh, God. I was looking a fool then. (laughs) (laughs) So do you want to hear the films that were true? Yes, please. Paranoid Activity. Yep. Nocturnal Activity. Supernatural activity, poltergeist activity, paranormal captivity, paranormal sex tape, paranormal adoption. Oh, after I laughed at that one. Yeah, and paranormal oh. calamity. Huh. So those were there the we ones go. that were true. There was um looks like fifteen and you got more than more than half of them correct. Oh well done, Han. Tempe in the prize Thanks. fund. Oh, phew. Right, so we now have some more multiple choice Check. questions. Here's your plot summary. The guys on level six like to work hard and party harder. That means the best booze, the finest drugs, and the hottest women money can buy. Unfortunately for them, the strippers they've just hired have come with an unwanted guest. Jacob Jacuzzi, the infamous stripper ripper with an oversized blank mask, (laughs) and a taste for exotic dancers has these girls in his sights, and he'll stop at nothing to get what he wants. It's now strippers versus blank-headed serial killer as they fight to survive the office party from hell. And again, the blank is an animal that's rarely associated with horror. Okay. Sounds like a great film. <laughs> is it called... Pandemonium? Ooh. Yak the Ripper? Vlad the Impala? The Horse Awakens. <laughs> or did I make it up? What was the first one? 
Pandemonium. Lady Impala. And it's Pandemonium. Oh, it is a God. real film, though. Oh. It is a real film, but I'm afraid it's Pandemonium. Uh, my favourite of those was actually The Horse Awakens. The Horse Awakens. I yeah. thought it was, yeah, quite a good random one. I was thinking, maybe I think I was thinking of, you know, Vlad the Impaler and strippers and it was, yeah, I was, I was going down the wrong road there. <laughs> yeah, I don't actually know what an Impala is. Is it like a, a springbok or something? Isn't it? I don't oh, know what a springbok is. That's like a deer, a springbok. Uh, well, we'll Google it later. Yeah. Anyway, wrong. Incorrect, okay. Han. Oh. Yeah, so still 10 in the prize. Absolute howler of a week today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your next plot summary. Okay. Carl has lived his whole life in Boston, Massachusetts, but shortly before he enrolls at Harvard, he's summoned to his ancestral home in England. His father warns him that, on the first full moon of his 18th year, and every full moon thereafter, he will turn into a mindless beast, but not the one you might expect. Never mind an American werewolf, this is an American blank. Oh. And yet again, blank is an animal that's rarely associated with horror. So does he turn into an antelope, and it's called the mantelope? Does he turn into a fish... And it's called the Manchavi. <laughs> Does he turn into a hippo? And it's called Hippopotamab. <laughs> or is he a weircat? And it's called comparetheweircat.com. <laughs> <laughs> or did I make it up? Oh, God. <clears throat> Mantelope. Hannah made it ah! You've still got 10p. <laughs> You've still got Tempe in the prize fund. Oh, thank God. I can but, still buy a fruit salad or something. But there's another quickfire round. So okay. fruit salad is in the sweet, sweet. rather than... Not, uh, like a, yeah, not like a fruit salad. Yeah, because they no. cost over a quid. Now, at it? least. Yeah. Come on. You've got another quickfire round. This is just... There's no theme. Okay. Just context-free titles of films. You have to say if they're real or not real. Okay. And again, there's 15 of them, and you've got to get more than half of them right to get the Tempe. Right. Okay. Serious time. Okay, are you ready? Yep. Ant Farm Dick Hole. <laughs> Zombie F. Kennedy. True. Purgatorium. True. Purgatarium. False. Abnormis. False. Hot Yoga Massacre. True. Piranha Man vs. Werewolf Man. True. Colon. Nope. I'm not finished. <laughs> Colon. Howl of the Piranha. True. No One Likes Dennis. True. Ouija Detective. True. Cannibals of Cardiff Bay. <laughs> False. Stay out of the fucking attic. True. Return to Bloodfart Lake. <laughs> True. Help! I've turned to wood. False. Evil Bong 3, The Wrath of Bong. True. <laughs> Shark, you son of a bitch. True. <laughs> right, you've got one. Two, three, four, five, six, Brilliant. seven, eight, nine, ten. Right. Well oh, done. I yes. What ones did I get wrong? <clears throat> what ones did you get wrong? Ant Farm Dick Hole, that was true. Bizarre. Abnormous. <laughs> that was true. Hot Yoga Massacre, I made that up. Uh. So you got that one wrong. No One Likes Dennis, I made that one up. <laughs> Ouija Detective, I made that one up. Uh, that was All like the a rest good you one. got right. So the, the real ones were Ant Farm Dick Cole, Zombie F. Kennedy, Purgatorium, Abnormis, 
stay out of the fucking attic, <laughs> return to Bloodfarts Lake, <laughs> Evil Bong 3, The Wrath of Bong, and Shark, You Son of a Bitch. <laughs> now, I sort of cheated a bit with Shark, You Son of a Bitch, because it's currently filming. Uh, so it's not out yet, but it is a real film, and I love the title so much I wanted to include it. Well, and you love sharks. <clears throat> yeah, I do. I mean, you kind of made it sound earlier like there'd be no sharks in this one, but still... The yeah, there's been a few. Through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and according to IMDb, they've already announced a sequel mm. called Shark, You Son of a Son of a Bitch. <laughs> I can't wow. wait to see those that films. That sounds incredible. So, Han, you've got, you've got 20p in the yes. prize fund. And as with last time, it all ra- rides on this last question. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, it's not oh. multiple choice, it's just the summary of a film and the name of the film. You've got to say if it's real or not real. Okay. If you get it right, you go home with 20p. That's like what? Fruit salad and a blackjack. (laughs) (laughs) All right, are you ready to hear the summary? I'm ready. During his gap year, Travis goes on an illegal hunting expedition in a South African game reserve. While he's there, he makes the mistake of shooting a critically endangered blank. One year later, as a college freshman, he finds himself hunted by the vengeful spirit of the creature he killed. And as with all the questions we've had today, the blank is an animal that's rarely associated with horror. The name of the film is Rhino What You Did Last Summer. Oh, very good. (laughs) So is it a real film or did I make it up? Oh, God. I think you made it up. And you're going on with 20p. Yes! Well done. Come on. Well done. Come on. Oh, thank God I redeemed myself slightly at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think you'll spend it on? Well, say, I mean, with inflation as it is, mm. maybe, yeah, maybe just like a fruit chew of some sort or <laughs> a banana. I could probably get a banana. There you go. One banana. One banana. Yeah. Well, you know, nice. Worth it. So we're now looking for rotten tomatoes. Yeah. Okay, I don't have mine. There you go. Give another little. Give one of the cherries, the tangy cherries. Yeah, yeah finish them off if you want. I think I'm, I'm good. Ooh. Right. Do love Haribo, but they don't so. agree with me. <laughs> right. So the two. Tomatoes. So we've got one from Naila Scargill from Exquisite Terror. And she says, Intelligent filmmaking that genuinely keeps you guessing to culminate in some palpable tension come the third act. I think that's perfectly fair. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's and that magazine called? Exquisite Terror. Exquisite Terror. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. I'll keep an eye out for that. And then Anton Beetel from Moviescope says... This genuine high point for ultra-low-budget British horror may be an utterly crazy tale full of unbelievable incident, but turn it over in your mind and there is a harrowing subtext lying beneath its surface just waiting to be unearthed. Yeah, fair. Yeah. And a good little play on words with unearthed. Unearthed, yeah, I thought that. Yeah, that was it from the critics. see what the audience say. So, oh, there's one audience review and that's it. Oh, really? From Alan C., Thanks, Alan. Well, let's see what Alan has to say. A nice little low-budget British horror movie. Interesting premise, a bit pet cemetery, 
worth seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Fair. <laughs> nice on Alan. Can't fault any of the reviews. That's so funny, though, because it says audience score, like, it's audience reviews under 50. It didn't say one. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, okay, just the one from Alan. But we appreciated it, Alan. Thanks. So, I guess the next question is, what's next? Yeah, good question. Mm. So, we've done a fairly obscure, low-budget indie film. Yeah. Do we need to go back to the classic? The classic, a classic oldie? Do we need to go through Matt Glasby's Book of Horror? Which I finally brought back to you Yes, you have. It's on the pile of crap. Uh, Not that it's crap. I'm That's just, just what we call the pile. In <laughs> pile of crap. Oh. Yeah, no. It's the, the pile of quality. How are we doing it? So, uh, I have here in my hands The Book of Horror, The Anatomy of Fear in Film, a fantastic book by Matt Glasby about the scariest films ever made, with illustrations by Barney Bodoano. I'm sorry, Barney, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Well, I hope I've got Glasby right. Maybe I'm saying that wrong as no, well. No, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, so what we should do is I reckon if I read out the films in order, yeah, our next film should be the first one that neither of us have the seen. Scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like this game. Okay. Right. In order. Psycho. Sin. <laughs> the Innocence. We did a podcast we on that. We did do a podcast We had Matt Glasby on. We, oh we recorded God, a, a wonderful segment did. for us. The Haunting, 1963. Scene. Don't look now, 1973. I've seen that one. yeah. I've not heard of this one. The Exorcist. Oh, what is that? <laughs> Sounds, yeah, yeah seen that many yeah, times. Yeah, me too. Yeah. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Seen. Who Can Kill a Child? Oh. I've not seen that. But is it that a question a or a film? Well, both. <laughs> um, I've not seen that. Neither have I. Let's see. Do you know what? I'm going to suggest we pass on this because I don't think it will be for either of us. Is it a bit grim? I'll just read the very beginning of the section on who can kill a child. Writer-director Narciso Ibanez Cerrados, controversial Spanish chiller, begins with some of the most upsetting footage ever seen in horror cinema. Uh, That's brilliant! uh, (laughs) No, I'm alright. I have a feeling it might be... I mean, don't get me wrong, I can do dark... I don't know how dark we want to go on this podcast. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it is for entertainment at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Leave that to the academics. Yeah. Tell your boots, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Suspiria. No, I've not seen that. Neither have I, and it's an Mm. absolute stone-cold classic. Oh, that's the one, then. Do you know anything about it? Nothing, no. Should we see if there's a a bit of spoiler-free Suspiriana in the relevant chapter? Let's have a look. Page 49. As I'm flipping through these pages, this is such a beautiful book. I know. The illustrations are amazing in this book. Okay. The opening to Dario Argento's glorious gale force horror is so intense, it is not clear whether the film or the viewer will recover. Unusually for the Italian maestro, whose previous Gialli thrived (laughs) on outlandish narrative about turns, the plot is simple. American ballet student Susie Banion, brackets Jessica Harper, arrives at the Freiburg Dance Academy, brackets actually a witch's coven, during a storm, just missing a double murder. But as ever with Argento, it is not what happens, but how. Hmm. 
Sounds superb. Sounds brilliant. I'm up for that. Yeah. You are. I am absolutely 100% up for it. Do you know, I've, I've actually read this whole book. I was going to say, I've read most of it as well, but I don't really remember that. No, I, well, I don't, I don't remember what happens in the film. No. Which is the key thing. I don't remember how many spoilers are in that To be chapter. fair, also, I borrowed it off you and read it and then didn't give it back to you for like a year. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. No, yeah, superb. Superb. All right, so our next film... We're going for an absolute classic, Suspiria. Suspiria. Till then. Yeah, nice. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Tune in next time for more... Midweek Horror. Don't get scared now. 